0: and welcome to another episode of In it Together. My name is Jeremy Augusta. I'm Brent Gunn. So do you want to start out Israeli elections or should we go immigration first?
1: Uh, let's go immigration first. Let's start it off a little more local. Okay.
0: So the United States' uh, Department of Homeland Security Director, Kirsten Nielsen, has stepped down or has been asked to resign. Um, one of those. Um, Amongst conflicting reports of her loyalty almost t- to Donald Trump, so a lot of the reports that are coming out after her resignation have said that Donald Trump would call her in early hours of the morning and make requests for her to completely stop immigration and do other illegal things that the Department of Homeland Security can't really do. Um, I, I I mean, I don't know. What, do, what do you think about it? I... Like this is i, a I, I get
1: the, me. I get the. I mean, yeah, it's not a surprise. Nothing that Trump does is really a surprise at mm-hmm. all. But and that that's even like a cliche to say, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I I I think that Trump's presidency is going to mark a really kind of like hard turn in how we tackle immigration as a whole. Like yeah. it, it's moved the goalposts definitely on on the issues, and it's kind of made people tolerable of things that. I'm not shocked that they would be in support of, like, what Trump's immigration policies are, but yeah. it's a little alarming to see it manifest in reality, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, um, uh, her resigning, I, I, I'm sure there's going to be people that will say, you know, she's doing it for, like, deep moral reasons. It could be for political reasons. Maybe she's trying to save her career if she thinks yeah. this is, like, really dragging her down or something, which saving face after... Three That's years. something I'm curious about. I'm curious after the Trump years what it's going to be like for those people affiliated with Trump to, like, reenter into public life because did you see that Trump's trying to get Herman Cain back in into fold?
0: I did not see yeah, that. Yeah, you
1: remember Herman Cain, like yeah. the 555 five, five guy, yeah. right? That fucking creep. Man, uh, Herman Cain was horrible. And it, it, I, I'm really curious because it's like Trump's reaching out to these more kind of, like, Exonerated, or or not exonerated, but more kind of like chastised, pushed out
0: members within. They've been sheep hooked out of the spotlight.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious if people affiliated with Trump now are kind of be able to come back into politics and be like, "Oops, the Trump years were a mess up, and like let's get back on track," or if they're going to be kind of like just banished.
0: It's an interesting question, right? Because if you look at, there's been a lot of people who have gone in and out of the Trump White House. And and although Nielsen's the latest, she won't be the last. No, no. It, it'll be interesting to see how these people kind of bounce back. Like Bannon, for example, I I kind of thought Bannon was going to like we would never see Bannon's name again. But he seems he's sprouting back up and he's trying to drum up, I, I guess, his own business. And thinking of other people who like Rex Tillerson, I haven't heard anything about, but he was not in the spotlight before the election anyways. Chris Christie was already on his way out of politics when he was brought in. Um, oh, uh, Roger Roger Stone. Yeah, Roger Stone. Well, is he in jail? He's, yeah, he's
1: in jail, yeah. but he's still like before that he kind of racked up some political capital. Yeah, he definitely while he last while he lastly could.
0: Yeah, the, Roger Stone is a really interesting person in in the in the way that he's accrued his wealth. H- him and Paul Manafort have both gotten they they started a lobbying firm. They they invented lobbying the way we know it, and and. Great guys, them finally getting their come up it's almost I I'm of the two people in this administration who belonged in jail, I think it's harder to find more adequate names than Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. yeah, you know, I we we can talk more about the, the people who have left and where I think they're gonna go i I honestly don't think having your name as part of the Trump administration will be that big of a blemish. Yeah, on, no, no. on these professionals resumes. I think if the president of the United States asks you if you want a job, I mean, you can't be faulted for saying yes to the president of the United States, right? Like, I I find it hard to, like, I'll criticize people for supporting the president of the United States. Like, that's totally allowed. You can criticize people for that. But even me, as someone who detests Donald Trump, like, I have some, like, like, you're allowed to support the president. I, I guess. that That's that's what it boils down to to me is I, I can't really morally fault you for working for the U.S. government and, and working for the president of the United States.
1: I think it's a fine line. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's, like, faulting people individually for what I think are systemic problems. Yeah. But when you're – it depends on how highly you're really involved in that system. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we're talking about FBI or the CIA or something – it, it it's kind of like a case by case basis yeah. sort of. But when you're talking about, you know, more kind of representational like people within governments, you're talking about governors, mayors, presidents, mm-hmm. presidents especially, um I mean I'm 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 curious, like why 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 do you feel as if it's like this permissible thing for you to think that it's okay for you to support the president, like irregardless of what what that that position is, because it's like we 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 seem to have this like ingrained respect for representational politics mm-hmm. when i i'm not i'm not really sure why i mean
0: i i honestly can't put a finger on it either but it seems like definitionally the position of the president is legitimate and the person who holds that is legitimate because they hold that position and
1: see i th- i think that's i think that's where i would disagree like yeah. if i were approaching this as a liberal if i were approaching this like like, just for the sake of argument, agreeing with the premise there and saying that the president is legitimate by extension because he's assumed a role which is legitimate, mm-hmm. that I have an issue with because I think legitimate roles can be illegitimately filled.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that, that makes sense. And, and I'm
1: not saying that he's an illegitimate president. I know that he's a legitimate – I'm not saying that he's a fake president yeah. or anything, but I'm saying that just because he's legitimately met, like, the criteria to fill a role – big deal like that is a role that is something which i'm under no legal obligation to respect or really hold in any personal Mm -hmm. or spiritual regard and honestly it seems almost counterintuitive to someone that would be coming from like a really constitutional conservative opinion anyway it seems like you would want to hold the president into more of a more libertarian stance you you would see the president as more of just like a a representation not as like oh someone that's someone that i look up to and respect Mm -hmm. you just see them as a Peak of the organization of government.
0: Yeah, but okay. So I'll ask you then: When the letter came out from people working in the White House who said that they opposed the president, were trying to help. What did you think about that? Did you think that those people weren't doing enough to help, or that they should have been louder, or they should have identified themselves? All right. If I'm going
1: to assume that the people are being legitimate in all of those cases, which I'm skeptical of in some cases, then I mean. It's it's a bit naive of me to think that single individuals within like the Trump White House or something can systematically undo things. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not how our government's set up to work. It's yeah. set up in a very specific way to make sure that it can't be undone by a strike within the house or something. Yeah. Because I mean, that probably could happen, but I think we would very quickly undo it's designed like around. That. It's consensus. very designed. Well, it's very designed against. Uh, uh, reduction. It's very designed against its unraveling, mm-hmm. against any kind of like revolutionary or augmentation of it. Yeah. So um, my, my my thing with like putting blame on people, it's a case by case basis with, with with how you look at it systematically. And yeah, I, I I can't really fault people too much. I mean, if you're gonna work for the government, I mean, I technically get paid by the government for this job. Yeah. I mean,
0: are we complicit in the
1: no, I mean, I. but then, then again, I mean, you are born into the economic system that you're born into. If yeah. I was born in Syria and, you know, fucking Rojava right now, I would have a very different view of economics, mm-hmm. radically different. If I grew up in Egypt, if I grew up in Japan, North Korea, I'd have a completely different understanding. But since I grew up in America, I'm predisposed to have to engage in a certain way. But I've also grown up being self-critical.
0: Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's transition now to this election in Israel. Oh yeah. So the current uh, prime minister, president, yep. prime, prime minister, minister of Israel, and Netanyahu, Netanyahu, who, Netanyahu, who was recently indicted uh, for bribery charges, is running against his name's Gantz. Yeah. Yeah. The so uh, it's Netanyahu versus Gantz. Netanyahu is considered on the right. Gantz is considered on the left. Gans, to give you some background, was a military leader um, for a long time, um, and now he's running against Netanyahu. Kind of, I ca- kind and, of yeah, who
1: also an IDF member, former IDF member. Yeah,
0: so so Gans here is kind of the centralist, um, anti right wing. He's 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 the the centrist social
1: democrat. Offered as the quote reasonable candidate against yeah. him, there isn't a strong. I would I would argue there's not as strong like governmental left wing insurgents or mm-hmm. like opposition within Israeli yeah.
0: governance. One one of the one of the things that Netanyahu was running on that he was promoting is he he vowed if he won re-election to annex uh, Israeli settlements on the West Bank, mm-hmm. which I if you're an Israeli person I guess some people are for that, but that seems like uh, if I'm a citizen in Israel, it seems like provoking people. Outside my border, who our country is in constant conflict with by annexing territory that isn't theirs. Seems like a pretty bad uh, way forward in my country. Well, I mean, it's it's a
1: logical continuation of what we've done. Yeah. Um, I, we spoke a couple episodes ago about the Israeli-Palestine conflicts a little bit. And I made the point that, you know, people on the left need to get a little bit of a better argument and I think I said a couple of things that were a little bit clumsy in that argument that I, I'd probably say more eloquently if I could. <laughs> the the issue is, is that what Netanyahu is 40, coming on 50 years, he the, the, this is what he represents, coming on 40 to 50 years of U.S. backing. The, the, the big issue with this election, why it's so, like, instrumentally important is because, you know, going off of what I said last week about um, – the, the argument can't just be this, this naive, like, two-state solution thing. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is because today there seems to be two logical, like, conclusions that could occur. The first is pan-Arabism or Arab unification or nation-state self-determinism, like I said last week, or a third option technically. I mentioned uh, Rojava earlier in the episode, so um, ideally maybe forms of democratic confederalism or... Radical, direct democracy could uh, also kind of take more widespread influential hold in the the region. Nation-state self-determinism has positive and negative consequences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Under Clinton, um, you know, continuing the trend established by the U.S. in the 70s, uh, there was the highest allocation of land to Israeli settlements prior to the Oslo agreement. But the two-state solution has been a state-proposed, primarily U.S., and U.S. interest proposed solution mm-hmm. since that inception. It's constantly been at the debate, but it's never really been seriously indulged. Yeah. Um, and it's been a state proposed illusory solution. It's a prop conversational piece. It's stripped just like Gaza itself is. It's an option that only exists to serve both U.S. and Israeli neoliberal economic and social occupation of the Middle East. It's a debate never meant to be lost by its longstanding victors, meaning the U.S. and Israel. It's like a two-headed coin, mm-hmm. you know, call heads or tails. It's only heads on both sides. And since the 70s, you know, the U.S. intelligence envisioned that the countries most applicable as extensions to U.S. interests would be Israel, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Turkey. Now, Saudi Arabia, you know, we're, we, we got them.
0: Yeah, we're currently trying to sell them nuclear arms.
1: But, you know, since uh, the Shah was overthrown in Iran, you know, and the uh, Iranian Revolution, 79... You know, Iran is definitely not the person that we are petitioning to be the kind of propagandic arm for us in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. If anything, they're like the antithesis of what yeah, we want in the Middle East. Absolutely. But Turkey, Turkey is coming back around for us. Mm-hmm. But Turkey was always kind of you know there, but they're really coming back around. But Israel, since Iran, you know, kind of has continuously drifted from what we want them to be since 79, yeah. Israel's importance is just extremely, like, like peak.
0: Yeah, they've gone the opposite way. They've gone. They've gone the way that would be perfectly aligned for for U.S. ambitions and goals.
1: So, my what what I'm trying to bring this back around to is that the argument I think needs to like you, we can argue that the Palestinian people deserve a state of their own that is untrampled on and they have their own self determined uh, sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can make that argument, but. We, we, we can't sit back and think that you know we can continue to make the argument, which has been proposed to us by the people, instrumental in gaining from the argument. Mm-hmm. Like, you were being sold the losing side, and you keep picking the losing side. And the winning side is just gaining and gaining. Netanyahu's going to win this. It's it, it, it's, it's yeah, just it, self-determined. It,
0: it looks like he is going to win. And and the way that elections work um, in that country, I know in, in previous elections... And if he doesn't
1: win, the IDF will put him right back in or someone just like him. Yeah.
0: Guaranteed. If the goal is peace in the region, Netanyahu seems un- incompatible with that goal and that's because the u.s being involved in the middle east
1: i'd say the soviets had a little bit of a hand in that as well not as instrumental i'd say Mm -hmm. but definitely had a part until the u.s absolves itself in that region we're going to continuously have this debate to where the only solutions are this growing wave of pan-arabism which may win which you know disgruntles many people within the middle east who don't want that yeah or the continual genocide of the palestinians the genocide of the yemeni i mean just continuous war and just pillaging of 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 civilians and then we're talking about well will there be a third a third intifada and it's just it's it's nonsense it's like how how can we just like like theorize like, all right well will it go in this direction will there be a war here here it's like we we can help prevent this mm-hmm. why don't you argue for that
0: yeah and and the four powers you just named turkey Iran Saudi Arabia um, Saudi and Arabia and israel they're more or less mutually exclusive allies like it's very hard, and and I know that the u s is is being friendly to more than one of these, but it is very hard to appeal and to get them to work together, right so if, well, I mean,
1: especially Saudi Arabia and Iran
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly so if your goal is to reduce the conflict between these countries, and this is something that criticize Obama's Middle East policy all you want, but he was definitely better than Trump at was was kind of holding all of these balloons in the air at the same time and keeping them off the ground. And and one of the things that that Trump has done has destabilized that relationship, and and the United States is somewhat peaceful relationship and 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 somewhat effective relationship at, at building at building a, a better. Way of dealing with issues in in this region. See, I I I just don't see it that way. I think that
1: the positives that the West has brought to the to the Middle East, you can see in, uh, you could probably see in pockets of you know Lebanon with the French backing them. You could see in, um, of course, the British and you know Egypt and stuff. I'll, uh, I'll use the Iran deal as an but example. But though. I mean, I think I think the best example you'd give is the U.S. backing Israel because. I mean, if you look at the beautiful parts of Israel, if you look at the settlements, yeah, the, it's, it's, a, the it's this utopia. But mm-hmm. if you look at Gaza, people get mowed down in the, when they're protesting and then they get accused of plotting it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's like a country and it's just black and white with how, yep. how classes are treated. Not classes, uh, uh, ethnic groups, specific ethnic groups that the government sanctions as, you know. And this, is, this isn't this is coming from a uh, an anti-Jewish place. I understand, like... The, the the biblical, you know, uh, uh, implications, but I don't think that that manifests in genocidal governmental regimes.
0: I, I wanted to, uh, my time here at CMU is winding down. I have about three weeks left as a CMU student. So I wanted to, with Brent, sit down and talk about some of the biggest pol- politics news events that have happened since I've started going here in 2016. And of course, because it's 2016, that means Brexit and Trump happened Right when I got here. Do you remember where you were on the night that uh, leave won and on the night of the election? Because I vividly remember what I was doing. When when was the date of leave? Um, I actually don't know the British Because I, I, I don't, I don't remember super specifically well. where I was Talk at about Trump leave. and I'll look up. I remember where I was, where
1: I was at. at for Trump. I was working. Uh, I was delivering pizzas. I was working a long, like, midnight shift. And I was listening to coverage of it on, like, NPR in my car when I would deliver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, okay, I I have, like, this weird story about that day. No, I did not cry. Thank God. I have this really weird story about that day, though. I woke up, and the night before that, I stayed at, like, a friend's house, and we were watching Stop Making Sense, that Talking Heads concert movie. Mm -hmm. And they got to um, This Must Be the Place, and that song just, like, was stuck in my head all night. So then the next morning I woke up, and uh, I was like, all right, so this is the day we get a new president. And I just had that song stuck in my head all day. Uh-huh. And I was just like, that's such like a nice, like, kind of upbeat song. Like, dun, 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 dun. And yeah. i was just like, you know, uh, I really think Hillary's got it. And that sucks. But I, 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 I you know, eh, I, I, I really think this is just going to, like, be a flash in the pan and then by like 2 p.m. i was just like no trump trump's trump's going to win really? i I need, I need i can't lie to myself anymore that was just really hopeful mm-hmm. and i hate saying that because that is such like a that's something that has changed about me since all of this like that whole thing about like just oh man i just hope it isn't trump just anyone but him at this point i i'm happy that i've like politically matured to where i'm not making that kind of comment anymore mm-hmm. i'm happy that i'm more i think uh politically aware <laughs> And I think uh, I think that's a big thing that, that's happened in like young left-leaning uh, people mm-hmm. uh, during the Trump years. I think there's been some that have, just haven't learned. yeah. And there's some that I think have taken the years to really self-analyze what's going on around them, self-analyze themselves, self-analyze their relationships, their media, and mm-hmm. try to say, well, it seems like we're really coming to this like precipice. How can we make sure that something like this doesn't happen again? And I think, you know, there's better ways to rectify that than trying to petition Ben Shapiro at one of his lectures. I would um,
0: never want to interact bad, with That ben is just, just bad, well.
1: bad praxis, bad I, praxis.
0: I remember on election night, I was in my dorm room with a whole group of like 10, 15 people, and we were, we were watching the coverage, and I was going to go to bed, and it was like 11.30, and I basically said, Donald Trump wins Florida, Ohio, or Michigan in any combination. He's already won. And I knew when they called Ohio and Florida— because I literally heard people start crying. I literally heard girls bawling that Donald Trump had, according to me, just won the presidency. And there were a lot of people who were grasping at straws, like, the next day, like, there's going to be a recount. <laughs> like, that he's won. It's over. I also remember thinking to myself, like, walking around campus and, like, looking at Hillary Clinton chalk drawings and, Flyers blowing through the wind oh, yeah. saying "I'm with her." You know, at, le-
1: at least I can sleep at night knowing I didn't vote for Hillary.
0: <laughs> I can't, but um, <laughs> I I remember being vaguely hopeful, vaguely like maybe Same, Donald yeah. Trump will drain the swamp. And maybe- oh no no no! I was not hopeful for that. Oh, enough. I was like maybe he will do he will do some good and 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 maybe we'll
1: get something out of it. That this. was the funniest week in my life. Seeing people on media just forcing themselves to be like. You know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure he can maybe do some good. We just have to wait and give him a chance. Like, you fucking know. This is just yeah, shit. I, you know this I, is I, Deep bullshit. down I knew,
0: but I also had hope that... See, this is how young and fresh-faced and positive I was. I was like, Paul Ryan will never let him do anything that bad. <laughs> and then here we are. What planet in 2019. are you on, man? I, I, I have Ryan, a... As man. far as people on the political left... I think I give Paul Ryan a little bit of credit, a little bit more credit than most of my my peers. I
1: mean I give Van Jones
0: more credit than I should
1: really give him.
0: <laughs> I like Van Jones. I, I like Van Jones. I'll go to Bet for he's, Van Jones.
1: He is uh
0: he's he's very bad now. Okay. June. Also, I'll leave it there. It's June twenty third, twenty sixteen. Brexit has just happened. Does Brent know where do you know where you were and do you know what you were doing?
1: No. No, straight up, no. I don't I don't remember. But I, I remember hearing about it, of course. And then <clears throat> I was, like, following it a little bit because I followed, like, a lot of YouTubers and um, kind of, like, social media people that are more leftists that were mm-hmm. talking about it a bit. So I was aware that it was happening. And I didn't, like, freak out or anything because I knew that they weren't, like, out immediately. I knew that that was just kind of, like, you know, a step in the direction. But mm-hmm. it did kind of give me a little bit of alarm because that was like 2016 that was like peak when like UKIP seemed to be like really gaining a lot of steam that's when like people like Milo were all over the place and like James Allsip was super popular Le Pen. yeah Le Pen and it just seemed like everywhere you looked on like YouTube and social circles and politics um it was just getting infested with this like Hardline anti-immigrant hardline uh like Euro skepticism and not even good Euro skepticism like not mm. even like like uh any kind of like logical Euroskepticism, but um it, it just it's got completely dogpiled with that. So there was a period when like when I heard about that and I knew that Trump was happening, you know, putting that all into like a context. It still is a little bit alarming because it's, like, a continuation now with, like, Bolsonaro.
0: Yeah, and it happened super quickly. So we had this international global swing right. I mean, Le, Le Pen didn't win granted, but Macron. She was close. Macron is basically just, like no,
1: he's just a fucking centrist, center boy. Yeah,
0: he's <laughs> B-O-I. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember watching Brexit all day. I was, it was, I had just graduated high school and I literally just spent the day only watching, like, Brexit coverage. And I was super interested. And and when um, when leave won, I was kind of sad. Because I, I, I've kind of grown up always wanting to live in England in some way. <laughs> and England not being in, in the EU makes, makes the whole hookup of living in England a little shittier. Because you can't really travel anywhere in Europe. But as somebody who still does want to l- live in England, I'm crossing my fingers that doesn't actually happen. Um i'll move on to the next thing. Here we have some good news um so twenty seventeen do you remember when the g o p tried but could not repeal Obamacare? I think they did for years? yeah, but this one I specifically remember and so they're still trying because it was really close, it was tied, and the deciding vote was John McCain, and he got up there in front of Mitch McConnell and gave him the thumbs down and I watched it live and i I did a spit take when it actually happened i was i I really, really enjoyed that.
1: Well, I'm ha- I'm happy I'm happy that 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 gave you some fulfillment.
0: Whenever, cool. w- so, when whenever something happens to make Mitch McConnell's life worse, it makes my life better. That's fair. Did That's you ever watch Seinfeld? Like how Elaine and George, whenever one of them is doing really well, yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah I'm that, that way episode. with Mitch McConnell. So <laughs> so the the worst Mitch McConnell's life is going, the better my life is going. Yeah,
1: his life his life was like peaking in 2009 because he was just like hard line – anti-Obama wave. Mm-hmm. That's
0: all he had to do. Yeah, that's all he had didn't to do. Didn't have to govern.
1: And everyone else was, like, dealing with the recession and getting fucked, and you know, they didn't have to be Mitch.
0: Mitch McConnell's from Kentucky. like You know, at I least... I won the election already.
1: At least none of us have to look like
0: Mitch. No, that, it's... That's, that's, that's probably
1: the greatest, the greatest, like, poetic justice of it all.
0: Every day I wake up, and I'm glad that I don't look like Mitch McConnell. Yeah. what What I want on the next... Trump's last day of the union, I want Mitch McConnell to stand up and, like... He's like, he accidentally shits himself, and he forgets that he didn't wear his Depends.
1: I want him to give Trump his shell. His shell? Yeah. I don't his, know what that... His back shell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I get it now. Is I want him to pull his jowls off, and they go... Bunk, yeah, just he, like flick it with his finger. Ugh, make it go God, back that's and forth. disgusting. He's like a chicken. Like one of those like things that chickens have. And, and you
1: know what? He's he's disgusting on the inside and the out. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Truly, he's like one, one of the most reprehensible kid. people in American politics,
1: yeah, bar none.
0: Genuinely, Mitch McConnell is one of the worst people in American politics. Because to go back on Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan could at least pretend to be the good guy when he went home back to Wisconsin and said he was defending Christian values. But Mitch McConnell can't even do that. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't know how anybody finds Mitch McConnell redeemable. Yeah. Um, The GOP also did a tax overhaul in 2017. That was a pretty shitty day for me, I remember. I also remember the day Comey was fired. Do you remember the day Comey was fired?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's not like a groundbreaking event in my life. Dude,
0: I I vividly remember watching the coverage of Comey getting fired and, like, me trying to explain to my family what was happening. And I was like, we're going to be talking about this for years, and here we are two years later. Comey's Comey's uh getting fired is still in the relatively in the political sphere. I have uh Me Too movement. Do you remember when the Me Too movement was kind of popping up?
1: I mean it's still it's still going for sure. But, it's still going. Um Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm more I remember it. And I think uh I think that's another thing that like from the fallout of we're kind of still I won't say that we're still learning because I feel like uh, there's plenty of people that already kind of understand. Conduct, but mm-hmm. um, we're still kind of learning this uh, this weird like media responsibility argument, and we're still kind of learning uh, how exactly because like what the thing that always puzzles me about this is it's like, you know how we talked about identity politics last week and how it always gets traced back to, like, okay, we can talk about how it's a problem with toxic masculinity or something, of course. Mm-hmm. But another thing that I think is, you know, obvious that goes to that question is that these men, it's usually men, uh, were people of exorbitant power, almost mm-hmm. like unaccountable un, un, uh, power within their 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 industry. Yep. They were people that could, you know, do these things, go – unchecked for months and months and months years and years and the system still worked people still worked for them yeah. people knew about it why is that i he, think that has to do with money i think that has to do with i mean think about it if you're a person that has that 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 much means you know you losing that means that you not only lose your your you know your your job or whatever you oh you're you're humiliated you lose your class. You lose your privilege. You lose that ability to be unaccountable morally and socially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, oh, man, it seems like it's nothing but men that do this. Okay. I mean, you got a, uh, roughly a 50-50 shot. I mean, not including trans and non-binary people, I should, but just for the sake of argument, it's mm-hmm. like a, let's say a 40-40 whatever shot. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should have the argument be a bit, a bit, Stronger, and I think that's something that more people are coming out of the Me Too movement with.
0: Yeah, well, one of the things that that first struck me learning about the Me Too me- movement when it first happened was just the volume of people who knew, and the volume of people who helped empower Har- like people like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, because if if you listen to interviews with people who knew him, they'll say like, yeah, like he said something about it one time, or like, ha- like. There's no way that Harvey Weinstein wasn't telling people and wasn't bragging that he was doing these things to this woman, and it it blows my mind the extent to which people would be like, "That's Harvey," like, and 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 so I think I think we're finally moving in into a a culture where you are just as accountable if you let someone like that continue to do it.
1: Well, I think it's how we look at each other in society. I think that we look at each other in very like hi." High- very vertical fashion a very hierarchical fashion because mm-hmm. you know sure this happens at places like you know uh with, with harvey weinstein but this also happens that you know if you want to talk about sexual harassment at the workplace fast food workers encounter that i think it's they're one of the highest percentages of workers that that encounter sexual harassment at the workplace mm-hmm. and i mean that's also a working class a, a class of working people that have virtually the le- the least amount of protections yeah. you know um and i think unfortunately this like when like when, when you just said you saw like how many people like were involved or how many people it's affected the thing that shocked me is just like seeing how many people coming out all over the place saying you know they knew like they, this happened to me you know the whole thing of me too saying just how many people were involved you see that this isn't uh just a I don't think it's purely a personal thing I mean yeah there's there there' are cycles of abuse that that continue through kind of genealogy and through um you know fa- families and stuff. but I also think there's a cultural normative you know kind of uh, uh, enforcement of that on people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that kind of psychologically comes from the workplace and how we i mean there's sexual harassment at places that I've worked. I've worked at pizza places and restaurants. I've seen managers lift up girls' shirts and Smack their asses. I've seen I've seen that firsthand, you know. Wow. And I can't do anything because, as much as I want to get in his face and punch him, then I have to look for a job, and I don't know if I'll be able to pay my rent for a month. And it's it's so upsetting that I have to be like morally compromised economically, yeah, like that because, be, because I because this guy, this boss, he's unaccounted to to, to doing whatever behavior he wants. And mm-hmm. I, I, as a worker, don't have power.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've heard a lot about um, those situations, particularly in um, fast food areas. And, I mean, that's
1: the, and we've seen with me too, it happens
0: everywhere. Yeah, it, it really does. It's one of the few things that is ubiquitous through class and through uh, anybody in America. Yeah. Next, in an equally dark note, Charlottesville. Happened in twenty seventeen. Oh, my favorite,
1: my favorite one to talk about.
0: That this I remember because I was with a lot of conservative people, and it was a f- really interesting experience for where, me. Where were you? I was at a family gathering. Oh, okay. so it was a really interesting experience for me to go. Here's your guy, Trump. Like, and any any good takes? Uh, there. It was a lot of people going like, "Yeah, I'm not with them on that one." It was a lot of like, "Oh, you're talking about the the." Um, good people on both sides. Comments. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking oh, okay. about Tr- Trump saying there were good people on both sides. There were there was a lot of um, conservatives who saw that and went. That's wrong. One of them were Nazis, and, and and so like having that argument with people and having. I, I think there was another big argument, um, kind of in how the the media covered these events. Yeah, and, yeah, and I remember are, that. Do you call the alt right, Trump supporters? How do you how do you refer to them? Do you call them racist? And and now the Associated Press has finally changed in their style guide journalists are allowed they're actually supposed to call some something racist if they believe it to be racist so i th- i think that is one of the one of the biggest things that we've seen from charlottesville and, and one one of the things that that tragedy brought to light is just journalists telling it like it is and, and saying, if somebody's racist call them racist in the in the article
1: well and these are also like the most uh, non controversial to call racist yes, racist absolutely. people these are people like with uh, national socialist movement flags, mm-hmm. anyone saying that this isn't political or isn't racist or isn't like, you know, I, that that was a, I, I was really kind of happy that the media or not the media, but I guess just people in general didn't really buy into the whole alt left
0: thing. Yeah,
1: like one thing that I do get really irritated from the Charlottesville thing is the Antifa fear mongering.
0: Yeah, because there, like, there is no real antifa certainly not on the extent that there is nazis in the alt right
1: well the, the, the thing about antifa is people think as if like antifa is this like wing of the democratic party or yeah. something it's, it's, it's like, really do These people or, not like, get that man. like antifa probably wants to decapitate like hillary clinton or something like they're not they're not democrats yeah. they're, not they're, liberals. they're not they're not
0: obama liberals no, no no
1: these are these are anarchists these are mm-hmm. you know uh, like uh, uh uh syndicalists and stuff Yeah. but um they
0: don't have like Bernie Sanders bumper stickers.
1: Well, at least the the the, the principled ones
0: do. <laughs> but um, but the the whole thing with Charlottesville,
1: like last last episode, how I talked about how you know I saw saw it go from like the Tea Party to like all of these different little like transformations online. Mm-hmm. I I remember, you know, witnessing. I hate to bring it up. I witnessing the whole GamerGate shit on online like almost firsthand as it was happening i remember watching you know youtube slowly just like start giving me more and more content that was anti-feminist and anti-trans or anti sjw and um as a person
0: that was already SJW gets wrecked on college campus yeah and like
1: as a person that was already like uh pretty left i knew this was just like Kind of like bullshit stuff that I I remember on like early YouTube, early internet video years, where it was just like, you know, uh, I remember videos like you know, Michael Moore style socialist gets wrecked by Milton Friedman and stuff oh, like that. Like two thousand six. Like I remember seeing those videos and like the th- those were like it was the ex- exact same extension. But the
0: ones I always got shown were like atheist shuts down religious professor, and I'm like fuck off, nobody cares about this shit.
1: But but when I started getting a little bit. I wouldn't say concerned, but nervous is when, or not not um nervous but concerned, is when people like James Alsip, who's uh, a YouTuber and you know alt right figure, um who had uh Paul Nealon on his show. Now Paul Nealon was running for um against Paul Ryan as Speaker of the House, and Paul Nealon, uh it's N, E H L okay, um is a figure within American politics that very much so straddles what I think could be like that next era after Trump. If, if, you know, liberalism doesn't really challenge it the way that it needs to, because he's a person that really pivots to like a, a populist American nationalism and a very kind of like American isolationism which, I mean, that, that would be the next logical stage after Trump, I think. If, if Trump's wall doesn't happen, there's going to be people like Neilan who are going to be like, well, we're going to finish what he started. Yeah. And um, that's when I started getting a little bit, bit more concerned because these people were showing that they could get ties into semi-powerful or pretty powerful places. And then Milo's influence. Um, My-
0: Thankfully, Milo is relatively gone from the internet um he he posted something on facebook where it was him bitching about not being famous anymore yeah basically but but i I think the time of those kind of that brand of provocateur is dying out at least i hope it is i
1: i think it is too and i think
0: i think it's dying out because like there's a really
1: strong wing of like content creators and just organizers online and just like in in grassroots movements all over that are really trying to tackle this stuff and Mm -hmm. um one, one thing I'm really seeing is uh, a lot of people coming out of the neo, I mean, not the neo, coming out of the alt-right mm-hmm. um, that are, like, leaving the movement now because they're kind of getting a bit more conscious of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen accounts of people saying, like, they're leaving the alt-right because they've seen, like, really good leftist content on YouTube and stuff or they've they've just had, like, a moment of clarity or Charlottesville was, like, the thing that really kind of made them really, like, question what was going on mm-hmm. so i think there is a possibility to reach these people you know yeah uh, not vi- all of them but some yeah
0: some of them are beyond reproach but yeah. v- vice did the a, a video where they went and they talked to some of the neo-nazis who were at uh the unite the right events and who were at charlottesville and they've all said like yeah nobody wants to be all right anymore so i mean that's good news
1: well it, it's now not they're
0: at, now they're at cpac
1: well i, I and that's that's the thing they're not going to call themselves alt right anymore. Mm-hmm. Um they'd be really stupid too, but yeah. they're going to find another term. They're yeah. going to find another another brand.
0: Neo conservative. No, that that one's already That done. one's already taken, sorry. I already forgot. done. Uh so 2018 I have Kavanaugh. Um that was that was uh
1: um
0: that was months. uncomfortable. It was yeah, the the, watch. the whole Kavanaugh hearing was kind of a shit show. Probably the the biggest shit show in Supreme Court nomination history that well, I've certainly ever seen.
1: Also, just a monumental fuck-up on the Democrat side, I think, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Like, embsical, a completely I
1: mean. kind of emotionally manipulative way of handling the situation.
0: Yeah, and really all the Democrats needed to do was make it last two weeks longer because then they would have had the House.
1: I think it backfired just monumentally against them, and it... Uh, Really negatively affected um, the Me Too movement in in
0: a lot of ways too. Yeah it, it 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 did it seems like and now we got Kavanaugh for till he's dead and and forever basically. Yeah. Um, and then I have uh, finally in 2018 the Democrats take the House, which I looked at as an election. Not only did the Democrats take the House, but the Democrats were wildly successful in Michigan. We have a new governor, a new attorney attorney general. Weed was legalized. So I, I see looking back 2018 as the first... Didn't
1: they, didn't they, they vote back gerrymandering too?
0: Yeah, yeah, and gerrymandering yeah. as well. So I, I look at that election in 2018 and I see it as the first time any Democrat got good news since like 2008. Because cause even though Obama won re-election in 2012, um, the Democrats lost a ton of power in Congress. And, and I think um, 2018 was the first step towards... Democrats swinging and getting some positive news and and some some good election results so yeah that's that's what i got is the most the biggest news events since i started going to school here okay thank you guys so much for listening see you later